the littlest of the littles, you know, who missed maybe preschool or some of that childcare experience that helps with those skills, they're just now coming into um, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, right? And so there's still a lot more road um, to go when it comes to this, right? And then that first group that hits those so challenging middle school years, you know, what are the differences that we'll see there too? Welcome to Transforming the Toddler Years, a core four parenting podcast blending soul and science-based strategies to empower pandemic moms like you raising kindergarten-ready kids. I'm Cara Terrell, your host, a lifetime lover of littles, girl mom, early childhood educator, and conscious parenting coach who truly believes that how we connect and collaborate with our kids in the first five years is how we raise world-ready kids who will change this world. All right, mamas. This episode is for all you girl moms. I'm one of you. And I brought in Ginny Hill today. She is the CEO of the Girl Scouts of Central and Southern New Jersey and has more than 23,000 women and girls who she serves as a leader. She talks a lot today about not just cookies, but what the Girl Scouts really stand for and the skills and the characteristics and the development of your little person as they go through the different levels of the program. Thank you to Jenny for being here. I so hope that you take as much away from this conversation as I did. Jenny, thank you so much for taking some of your very limited time to be here with us to talk about empowerment for girls, confidence for young women. And it starts at very young ages, which is where you come in with your position at the Girl Scouts. Yes. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. You know, this is um, this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, not just in the work that I do, but in my life. And, you know, it's sort of been my calling for a long time. So I'm really excited to have this chat today. So I'm a girl mom, right? I've had three girls. And so girl is all I know. Mm-hmm. I know you have many kids, some of them you had the privilege and pleasure of raising, and then there's thousands who you have (laughs) had the honor of just supporting through their journey. So how many girls did you raise? Um, so literally as a mom, um, one, um, and I came into her life, um, when she was 13, um, my daughter, Jennifer, um, her mother has since passed away. And so I am the only, um, mom figure for her. Um, and you know, I, in addition to her, there's four boys in, in our gaggle of kids. Um, so that's the ones that I've raised, but like you mentioned, I've had the incredible privilege of watching so many Girl Scouts grow up um, in the 10 plus years I've been in the organization. In fact, one of them, uh, we just hired her, which is really cool. So years ago, um, she, when she was in high school, she was uh, a Girl Scout that would go on some uh, road shows with me. And now she works for us. And it's really amazing to think like, It was just yesterday when she was in high school and now she's an employee. So it's cool. What a full circle moment. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So starting that journey in teenagerhood, right? That's a very tumultuous time of who am I and how do I engage with the world and what am I feeling is real and what am I feeling is hormonally driven? So when you look at the littlest girls in the beautiful system that you and all of your coworkers have created, Mm -hmm. What are the characteristics that you want to instill in them from those really young ages of brownies and right up through? Yeah, well, it does really start when they're young. And I think for girls, one of the very, very most important things, and we can't um, can't really start it too young. I mean, even before they would be old enough to be eligible to be a Girl Scout when they're toddlers is really to get make sure they have an opportunity to find their own voice, right? And to voice their opinion and not to have that opinion or voice be curtailed with a, it's not appropriate for you to speak or you're too bossy or too loud or whatever the comparison and the social norm might be that would curb her voice, right? And it's one of the things we really try um, to make sure, in especially in a girl-only space, it's a little bit easier because we don't have those kind of outside societal norms omnipresent in the, in the Girl Scout space. Um, and it's why it's still an important space for girls, because in every other aspect of their lives, there is a risk that that voice and that that power that they have is going to be labeled in a way that is going to cause them to sit back and to shrink back. Um, and that is that is not only not good for that individual girl, but societally it's not good for us because we're teaching girls to sit back and we need girls and women to lead and to lean in and to take challenging career paths and make hard family decisions and all the things, right? Um, And not to sit back. And so that to me is the very, very most important thing. My favorite answer. I love this idea of voice. Yeah. And in fact, I have a sign language course that allows parents to enable their kids to communicate before they have one, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They have a voice in their home before they literally have a voice that can do the speaking for them. So this idea is kind of the foundation for you. You love when kids come into your programs in their earliest years, being empowered to speak their mind. Right, right. Yeah, I I have a great story. Um, Years ago, one of the things I do during Girl Scout cookie season is I go all throughout our region and I visit booths and I make surprise appearances. And um, I don't generally tell the folks who I am, you know, there's always parents and adults there. I don't do that at the beginning. But then I have a special patch that I give to the Girl Scouts that are at the booth. And these were daisies. So they are our kindergartners, first graders. They were at a booth. They were so excited. Um, And one of the little girls was very interested in talking to me and she had a big story to tell and we were chatting and another one of her troopmates came over and literally like whacked her and said, hey, we have sales to make. It is time to get back to work. Stop talking to that lady. (laughs) And I just, you know, the mother was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, no. Oh, she's right. They're here doing something important. They need to get back to work. And I will, you know, when I said to the little girl I was chatting with, I'm like, let me go over with you. We can finish our conversation, but you get back to your job because you're letting your teammates down, right? And that little girl, the one who, you know, sort of said, hey, we're here doing something important. Let's go, right? 
in a very different environment, she could have been corrected. Like, stand down. You're being bossy. You're being too aggressive. Like, let, you know, and instead I was like, no, let's honor her voice. We we have cookies to sell. Let's go. Right. And those are the little kind of experiences that we we give girls. Um, you know, we don't we don't want them to be over the top or over the line like any child. You know, we wouldn't want that to happen. But, you know, it's especially important that girls learn those skills when they're younger and through elementary school, because when they get in middle school, and they start noticing boys and they start feeling some of the social pressure about their looks and all of that. And the hormones start going, like you were saying, um, that's when it becomes a real sense of confidence and strength for them. If they have that as a foundation to, to navigate all that challenge that they're all going to go through, you know, regardless of, of, you know, what their circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I noticed is, when I read through your form is that you have the, these three C's that matter to you. And I'm a big fan. I have the four C's of collaborative parenting. So your three C's are that these girls are constantly and quite organically, according to that story, learning to be courageous, confidence, and build their character. And I think our world needs that now more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the back end of the Girl Scout mission is to make the world a better place, right? And that is that's an important part too, because we know that girls are very just like women. You know, they're the caregivers of um, society. You know, they're um, they're the the making sure everybody in the group in school is being included, right? And that ability in an organization to focus on themselves, but also so they can be better for the world is really what differentiates Girl Scouts. And it is what girls love because, you know, they, they, they don't want to feel as though it's all about them all the time. Right. And, and they do sort of get the message about keeping their ego and their self, um, you know, in check. And so it's a great way to say, okay, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be better. And I'm giving back to others and to the community. And we have so many opportunities for girls to do that as they go along their Girl Scout journey. I'm wondering, what are the extrapolations that you see beyond? So you've got these girls and they are, they're strong in their character. They're, they're in their personal development journey. They know who they are and what's easy and natural to them. You can, and I'm sure you can see it, right? You can see the peacekeepers and you can see those heavy leaders who've got the organizational skills. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of those extra pieces that come into play. I remember when I heard you speak, you told an amazing story about going to Girl Scout camp Mm -hmm. and the foundational benefits that that had for life. Yeah. Yeah. Would you share that with our listeners? Yeah, sure. So for me, um, so I in the summer between fourth and fifth grade, I got sent to Girl Scout summer camp for a week. And I was not a child um, that really even liked to play outside very much. So I often laugh and think, I don't know what my mother was thinking when she sent me. And I was miserable, quite honestly, for the first couple of days I was there. But um, eventually, what I learned is that I could try new things. Um, And what I remember is I remember two things. I remember walking into a lake 
and thinking, oh my gosh, this is the most horrible thing I've ever done. And then with each step saying, oh, look, it's really not so bad. Nothing's biting me or nothing, you know, it's not quite as dirty as I thought. And then learning how to row a canoe. And I was, I was terrible at it. I kept tipping the canoe, right? But we just got back in the canoe and kept going. We just kept rowing, right? And um, and I learned like, okay, maybe I don't love this, but I can do this. And all these other girls are doing it too. And I'm having fun, right? And so by the end of the week, I, I didn't want to go home because I was having a great time. And so those are the kinds of things um, that girls have the opportunity to do. Um, I'm thinking about one of our Girl Scouts in particular. When I first met her, she was a little bit shy and younger and kind of withdrawn. Um, she was a hands-on kind of kid and um, set her sights on uh, teaching other Girl Scouts how to use um, woodworking tools and did a whole project around um, carpentry skills and ended up organizing a group of Girl Scouts to build a changing room on one of our camp properties, right? That was what she did. And somewhere in the middle there, she had an opportunity to take a Girl Scout trip to Costa Rica. Wow. And when she did that, she learns a lot about ecology and about the oceans and about some of the marine life. And now she's an incredibly driven young woman who is all about marine science. Um, I'm watching her journey um, on social media in college, and I'm astounded at some of the things that she is doing and chasing down. And I think all the way back to the beginning, when I first met her and she was kind of shy and withdrawn, in Girl Scouts, she had an opportunity to try some things, right? Learn some things and then put it all together um, to make an amazing trajectory for herself. Um, you know, she's going to do something cool somewhere on the planet. I mean, she's already, she's been in the Philippines and she's been out in the Pacific Ocean and all over. I think it's it's just cool to watch. It's so cool to watch. What a view you have right? You have this, this view from before, this view from beyond, and you can see that beautiful trajectory. Mm -hmm. And when I hear you talk, I hear things like persistence and resilience mm -hmm. and flexibility in the face of the unexpected. Yeah, These are core foundational pieces that yes. as human beings, we have to practice. Mm-hmm. They are not easy. They don't necessarily come naturally. And I feel like for our tiny people, you know, these toddlers, preschoolers, kindergartners, sometimes it's just easier for us as adults to make their life easier. Yeah. Yeah. We had a really interesting meeting yesterday with um, someone from the early childhood education field um, where we were talking about that, you know, that um, there are a lot of pressures on parents today. And, um, you know, life is not simple. It's complicated and it can be extremely complicated, especially in single parent households where you've got generally women, you know, trying to do it all. Um and, you know, wanting better for your kids, wanting your kids to be happy, wanting them to be healthy, you know, that's how we're all wired um, as parents. And so how do you help the parents, right, provide those kind of experiences 
for their children, right? And what we know in Girl Scouting is we're part of that answer for the parents of girls, right? That we can help with that because the kinds of experiences that their girls can get um, will help balance out that social emotional learning, you know, that sometimes depending on the school environment, they may get uh, other places, unfortunately, and sadly they don't, right? But it it helps the parents um, because it's in, it's in a group setting. There are other supportive adults, you know, and it, and then there are real skills. Our uh, parents who whose daughters participate in the cookie program, we survey them from time to time. And a few years ago, the parents, 96% of them said they could point to a very specific money or business skill that their daughter learned that they couldn't imagine where else she would have learned it because it wasn't something they would have thought or it would have been part of their family environment. They didn't see it in her academic curriculum in school. So it was like, hey, and she learned a new thing, right? So it's really about both, really. I love that you brought up the money management piece, right? These are real world skills that unfortunately are not directly taught most of the time and are required in order to be a healthy, conscious, successful adult. And that's what we're really doing here. We're raising adults. Hey, Mama, you know that it takes a village to raise a child, but did you know you can choose your village? That's why I've created a virtual village for you with all kinds of like-minded mamas. They're conscious, they're collaborative, they're intentional. Their goal is to raise really good human beings who will grow up to add value to this world. Join us today in our free private community on Facebook. Use the link in the show notes and let's transform the toddler years together. I'm super curious, and I'm so glad to hear that you're chatting with early childhood educators. As one, I'm just always saying to people, this is where it starts. Mm -hmm. We need to overestimate what these kids are capable of, not underestimate because of how old they are. Right. So let's talk about the social emotional for a minute, because Mm -hmm. you have been in this space for a really long time, pre-COVID, through COVID, post-COVID. Mm-hmm. In schools, we are seeing a very clear gap Mm -hmm. in kind of what I call that pandemic pause, Mm -hmm. where that social, emotional and interpersonal practice on a daily basis with other people kind of came to a halt. What are you noticing in your programs? Are you having to go back to go forward a little bit to support these kiddos? Yeah, most notably, we see it in in our summer camp environment when the girls are with us for a longer concentrated period of time, right? And we certainly are hearing it from our volunteer Girl Scout troop leaders that there are differences. Um, What we're doing collectively about it right now nationally is really exciting. Um, Girl Scouts of the USA, our, our national team has commissioned a massive market research study um, where we can really start to get underneath some of the uh, post-COVID impacts on kids and families and then look at ourselves and say, what else can we do? How do we need to adapt and or shift um, so that we can 
you know, make sure we have healthy girls in every community in which we do our work. Um, you know, some places, um, because of just the infrastructure and the social communities and that maybe the educational system, girls are doing better than others. Um, in some states, um, kids are really, really struggling. And so, you know, we'll work individually in our local communities and collectively as a national organization um, to really um, focus on that in the next couple of years. It was interesting yesterday, the uh, educator we spoke to said that um, her hypothesis is that really we have only begun to see the tip of the iceberg because the, the littlest of the littles, you know, who missed maybe preschool or some of that childcare experience that helps with those skills, they're just now coming into um, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, right? And so there's still a lot more road um, to go when it comes to this, right? And then that first group that hits those so challenging middle school years, you know, what are the differences um, that we'll see there too? Absolutely. I mean, I'm just, I'm over here amening. Yeah, (laughs) amen. And actually for educators, this is the prophecy that we didn't want to see come true, but we knew it would. Yeah. And that tip of the iceberg piece, that is crucial. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these kiddos who were born during, they're preschoolers right now. Yeah, they're just starting to practice these skills. So moms and dads, if you're listening and you had a toddler when COVID hit, then you now have a kindergartner or first grader, you and you have girls, you have Girl Scout eligible aged kids. Mm -hmm. And one of the best things that you can do to help them recover these lost milestones and skills and really dive into practice is sign them up. They have a troop. They have a leader and you can tell how clear the mission is, mm-hmm. right? Your girls yeah. are in really good hands and really good hearts. Well, thank you, Carrie. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's true. The other, the other element of the Girl Scout troop that um, if, if you weren't a Girl Scout or weren't involved with Girl Scouting, you may not completely be aware of as a parent. And that is that everything that that group chooses to do is decided by that group, right? And there's so many options. Um, there's no one size fits all um, model. So there are a lot of troops, especially in the younger grades that start, you know, their commonality is maybe their school community or a church community, but, you know, they can, they can make whatever choices they want. And our adult volunteers are trained to be sure that they're engaging the girls in that decision-making process too. Again, you know, certainly not to the extent it was, you know, years ago, but, you know, women have many been socialized. The decisions are made for us, not we don't make our own decisions. And so we teach our little girls right from the beginning. No, no, you have a voice. You get a vote. Right. And then what happens if if we don't get my way? Hmm. Now that's interesting. Right. And I I was chatting with um, a woman, an adult, actually, and she was sharing her Girl Scout story. And she said it took her about five years to convince the rest of her troop mates to do a specific Girl Scout activity that she wanted to do, but she never gave up. And one of the reasons she never gave up and didn't quit was because her troop leader kept encouraging her and said, you know, Kate, your day will come. Your day will come. Like your turn will come. So just don't let your other Girl Scouts forget that you want to do this. And eventually the day came, right? And so she said, 
when you, you mentioned persistence, right? So she learned the value of persistence, right? She learned that, and she was still having fun. So there was really no reason to quit, no reason to kind of get an attitude or get pouty about it. She just stuck with it. So oh. that, that positive environment that we create. It's so good. I'd love to share. My daughter's story is not Girl Scout specific, but she is pretty much that kid that you described earlier. Mm -hmm. So my Caroline, as a young person, I called her my Velcro child. She was attached to me at all times. Her older sister would go to summer camp. She refused. Nope. Sleep away. What are you talking? Nope. (laughs) So sixth grade rolls around. We live in Southern Vermont and sixth grade rolls around and they have this required one week away nature camp that they go to the whole sixth grade relocates into the woods essentially oh, wow that's cool and they're gone for a week it's called camp key Waden, and she refused she's i'm not going and i was so empowered by the fact that it was not a choice it was part of the school curricula mm. that i said it's not a choice however you do get a voice in this What would make it easier for you to take this first big step? And we collaborated. I mean, this is the whole methodology that I teach parents of littles. Give Mm -hmm. your kids a way to help you solve the problem. So at the time, her grandmother worked at the school as the gym teacher. So she said, if grandma can go the first couple days, I bet I'll be okay. And that's exactly what happened. Fast forward. This child went to Spain by choice as a senior with her class trip and moved on purpose to Japan as an 18 year old and is enrolling in college over there would never have happened if we didn't create this opportunity and say, it's hard. It's outside of your comfort zone, but you can do it, but you can do it and we'll help you find a way to make it easier to access. Yeah, that's the role of the supportive, caring adult volunteers in our model is they, you know, they can pull out all different kinds of um, tools in, in the Girl Scout toolkit to engage a girl. It's, it's one of the really important things I tell parents, too. I've had, um, I don't think ever a mom, but I've had dads challenge me. Um, well, why should my daughter be a Girl Scout? You know, she plays soccer and she's going to be the next Pele. You know, she's going to be a great <laughs> soccer star. And I will say, well, let me let me just give you a comparison. I said, so what's going to happen if your daughter, um, if she if she can't make the goal or she's just not playing well, what's going to happen? Like we all know it. She'll be standing on the sidelines watching the other girls play soccer. Right. She'll still be on the team and there's still some lessons and all of that. But the difference in Girl Scouts is no girl sits on the sideline, right? So they're all, um, it's, you know, girl-led and adult-facilitated. And it's one of the really important pieces is we want all the girls to have a voice, want all the girls to participate in their own unique way, right? So in that supportive, caring environment. But if there's a girl who's always sitting on the sidelines, that volunteer is going to make a really good effort to include her, engage her on her terms, right? And so there is no, we'll just watch every everybody else do it. Um, No, that's not how we roll. Um, Because we want girls to learn the lessons of, you know, what it means to be part of something um, bigger than themselves. And that's what they that's what they are getting. They would never call it that they don't maybe when they're adults like me, and they reflect back on it, they'll see it. But that's the that's the whole intention is it's, it's, you know, this is bigger than you, but you're gonna, you're gonna be part of it, you're gonna be part of whatever it is we choose to do as a troop, no matter how big or small, leader, follower, it doesn't matter. Yeah, oh, 
My goodness, what a major difference you are making in the world. You know, I teach there are five executive functioning skills that every kid needs to practice every day to continue to grow into their best selves. And you tick all the boxes, like regardless of that sideline and then we pull in or, you know, I'm a big leader. I've got the whole plan. Oh, wait, can we be flexible and kind of do what someone else thinks makes sense too? It's all there. And so raising social, socially appropriate and socially engaging girls is what you're doing. Yeah, it is. It's what we've been doing for a hundred years, right? Um, you know, certainly before the time we live in now, there were there were actual barriers for women and girls. You know, um, gender discrimination and uh, separation between boys and girls, and all kinds of things. We don't have so much of that anymore, but there's still, you know, some of that is still like in the air that we breathe. And so we really want girls to think they can do anything and. To reinforce, um, you know, the girls who are blessed to come from really stable, um, wonderful homes where their parents are actively engaged, you know, we're sort of like a little bit of icing on top of their cake. But there are many, many other girls that are um, in in families that are in turmoil um, or who maybe don't have the benefit of supportive parents um, and are living, you know, even girls in the homeless system and in the foster care system. You know, we really focus on all of that because we want to make sure that girls are doing, the girls are strong and girls are doing well. Oh yeah. And they, they need to hear on repeat, your voice matters more than anybody. Right. Absolutely. All right. I want to wrap with this question that I would be remiss not to ask. Um, The world is changing at a rapid pace. Gender identity is something that we are all becoming aware of, attuned of, empathetic to. Um, How does that play a role in your organization? And how do you foresee this coming in the future so that everybody truly feels loved and heard for who they are and who they choose to be? Right. So we um, obviously we are the Girl Scouts, right? And that that is something that we're very proud of everything we've accomplished in the girl only environment. Um, currently, our kind of organizational position is that any child who is okay being called a Girl Scout and identifying as a girl um, is welcome to join our organization. Um, that looks a little different in how that plays out in various communities across the country. I would be not telling the truth if I said otherwise. Um, in our uh, part of New Jersey, um, we have had Girl Scouts um, that have um, been transgender. Um, we have had Girl Scouts that are non-binary. Um, and, you know, what we try to do is to um, be sensitive to the needs of that child to make sure that we're not putting that Girl Scout in any kind of environment that is uncomfortable for um, for that child or for the other Girl Scouts in the group, right? So we, we do a lot of sort of one-on-one conversations 
connection with families when they come to us. Um, I don't know where the winds will blow in the future, right? Because you're right. It is, it is an issue. Um, and, you know, there are, there are easy things that we can do to be inclusive. And many of them we are already doing. And I think there's a lot more that you will see us do in the future because we do want, um, our kids to be um, healthy and to find their authentic self. It's part of our core values. Um, and, you know, we just we're in the process of sort of figuring out, well, what's that look like? What do we change? And I think it's it's really embedded in that national research mm-hmm. that I talked about, too. Yeah. And so all that really matters is that knowing that there's an organization where the door is open to go start the conversation, sit down with a leader or to sit down with you and say, Hey, my kiddo feels like they'd like to be part of this. I need to know they're going to be safe, loved and cared for while while they're here. Exactly. Amazing. That's exactly who we are. Yep. (sighs) Well, thank you for the role that you fill. And thanks for all this wisdom today and sharing your stories. I loved hearing all of them. Uh, you are in New Jersey and you serve, I think I read 23,000 people. Yeah, 23,000. Uh, that's yeah. amazing. I know, uh, I know. Regardless of where my listeners are, if they are thinking, okay, yeah, my kindergartner, my first grader needs a place to go really just find their social group. How do they reach out and how do they get involved? Yeah. So the easiest thing is just go to girlscouts.org. And from our national website, there is a find a local council. So you can find the Girl Scout organization in your backyard. Um, we are in every zip code across the nation. So um, start at the local council level. And from there, we it's our job to connect you um right you know right outside your front door can i just say that the fact that you can say you're in every zip code in the nation i know how much work how much time how much collective energy how many generations of people cared enough to lay the brickwork for that sentence yeah, it's it is pretty extraordinary, right? Um I mean there's we know there are about 60 million living women in the country who were Girl Scouts at some point in time. Um, today, we serve, I think it's just under 2 million girls around the country. You know, we, we our numbers are down a little bit post-COVID, but we're, we're trying to build back. And I think that we will. Um, we're seeing, um, you know, close to uh, 10% growth just in the area where I am this year. So, you know, we're getting there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's an opportunity to be a Girl Scout um, anywhere you live, right? It doesn't necessarily mean there's a troop in your zip code, but it does mean there's one close by, right? And that's the opportunity. And then, you know, obviously, we're always looking for volunteers who want to start new troops. So, you know, that also is an opportunity. All right, mamas. So you heard it, <laughs> right? Girl Scouts are not just cookies. Absolutely not. (laughs) They are raising strong, confident, empowered, independent, persistent people who are going to grow up and really make a difference in this world. Thank you so much for everything today, Miss Jenny. Sarah. Great to see you. (laughs) Uh, So until the next episode, everyone just stay mindful and proactive as we transform the toddler years.